0: I've always been a proud sponsor of My Patriot Supply because I know that having survival food is a way to prepare for you and your family in these days ahead. And this month, you can save $200 on their best-selling three-month emergency food supply kit. Over 2,000 calories a day, 21 varieties, up to a 25-year shelf life, Tasty breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. Resealable, heavy-duty four-layer pouches with oxygen absorbers. Made in the USA, no MSG added. Sealed into six rugged, water-resistant buckets. Ships fast, with free shipping included. Before you go buy those Christmas gifts that will... Give some people a temporary thrill. Why not be prepared for you and your family when there's no food or very little in the stores? And we can already see that happening now. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com and save $200 on the best-selling three-month emergency food supply kit that you can get your hands on. That's preparewiththinkaboutit.com.
1: After Marx, there were a group of Marxists who wisely decided that you could bring this collectivist society to a nation through culture as well by introducing certain values and concepts that would break down the family, for example. If you could somehow break down the family unit so that it was no longer self-sustaining and no longer valued in a society, then that would leave individual members who formerly could turn to the family for support in times of need, they would now be cut loose. They would be without a place to go in times of need. So now they have to turn to the government. So cultural Marxism would be that type of activity in any society that breaks down the culture in such a way so that people instinctively turn to government as an alternative for the support that they otherwise would have. This is done through art, it's through music, it's through literature, it's through motion pictures and that kind of thing. The implanting of certain ideas and concepts which make them very ripe for the philosophy of collectivism and makes them very ripe for turning to government as the big daddy, the big solver of all problems. Collectivism uh, implies that if something is important enough, then the state should step in and make sure that everybody conforms, whether they want to or not. The whole point of a socialistic society is to do four things. Marx talks about destroying the family, two, destroying property, three, destroying religion, and four, destroying the nation and what you end up with is the gulag where the whole country becomes the soviet union
2: almost every movie that hollywood puts out today must depict characters with at least one of the following attributes one the protagonist and or the antagonist are divorced two the female is portrayed as dominant controlling violent and or one up on men three the male is portrayed as aloof, feminine, overly sensitive, and or cheating. 4. Somewhere in the family, at least one of its immediate members must be a lesbian, gay, bisexual, or a women's liver. Often, attributes are mixed in various proportions, and even mixed with a touch of schizophrenia, as males and females swap roles in fluorescence.
3: One of the big things in movies in recent years has been that uh, the, the, the whites have almost tended to disappear from positions of being heroes, of being sort of uh, you know idealized or something like that. Uh, in the place uh, you have people like Morgan Freeman who's cast as very responsible, moral, uh, godlike figure, and so on, or you have action figures like Will Smith and um, Wesley Snipes, and so on. So you have an awful lot of uh sort of displacement of whites as uh, as media images uh in the last few decades and whites are all often criminals you often have blonde hair blue-eyed uh, people um playing criminal roles playing people who are dishonest or weak or uh, subservient uh, and the black characters being very strong very wise you'll often see of course black computer technicians black scientists Um, black uh, teachers and professors who are very wise and understand everything. Whites uh, are portrayed as uh, stupid, oftentimes as irresponsible, oftentimes as needing the advice of of black people or other minorities. Um, It's really the the visual displacement of whites uh, from center stage to the periphery. And I think this is preparing the white people for their displacement in the culture as a whole.
4: given the enormous buildup he received for his theorizing about anal personalities and penis envy and the like because he was a Jew, not because of any genuine merit in his theorizing. And his theories ultimately did an enormous amount of damage to the development of our understanding of psychology and mental disease.
0: My dad says white people suck. Is that
4: true? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Nailed them right? Boom.
4: What can possibly compensate white Americans for the deliberate corruption of our young people by just one Jewish gangster like Sumner Redstone and his MPV? The race mix, culture-destroying, filth turned out by Sumner Redstone's MPV is the single most destructive influence in American life today. And of course, Redstone doesn't produce this filth all by himself. He has thousands of Jews working for him at every level, not only in MTV, but also in CBS, and in Paramount Pictures, and in all of his other media properties. And although MTV targeting white teenagers as it does, they seem the most blatantly and maliciously destructive, it is hardly much worse than some of the filth by Michael Eisner's Disney Empire, especially by its Miramax Films division under the Weinstein Brothers. The poison is being introduced gradually, more and more each year, and it is having its effect. When the Disney Company was entirely a Gentile company, none of it was poison designed to corrupt Americans. Davey, Davey Crockett. <laughs> And what can possibly compensate on our balance sheet for what the Jewish news media are doing in their deliberate distortion of the picture of the world seen by the American public? It is a picture designed to confuse white Americans, to undermine their self-confidence, to induce feelings of racial guilt in them. Just one example, the suppression of the news of black crimes against white people. And the exaggeration of every white crime against non-whites is not a fluke. It is done routinely by all of the Jewish news media. An interracial crime is just one issue. The relations between the sexes, immigration, the foreign relations of the United States with the rest of the world, and a hundred other important issues are similarly distorted in their portrayal by the media. This deliberate distortion has done irreparable damage to American society. And again, the distortion has been deliberate, planned, systematic, and intended to do harm to us.
5: Jan Rilsenberg, Swedish-Jewish author and journalist, explains the drive behind the push for destroying white countries by means of cultural Marxism. Historically, Jews had always thrived in nations and empires with multicultural, pluralistic and tolerant environments, while they fared badly in strong ethnic or nationalistic societies. European Jews have always been the emblematic stranger or other. Therefore by definition, a society where the stranger is welcome is good for the Jews. The future of European Jewry is dependent on our ability to shape a multicultural, pluralistic and diverse society. The website SmashCulturalMarxism.com explains the phenomenon of Cultural Marxism extremely well. Cultural Marxism or Cultural Bolshevism, Degenerate Culture seeks to destroy everything good about society, what holds it together, what helps it to advance, what promotes intelligence and beauty. It seeks to degenerate society and take it to a lower form where people are less intelligent and more animal. It's based on the Marxist lie that everything good about society is all form of oppression. Every time anyone promotes cultural Marxism, they use the same line claiming it's about freeing people from oppression. These common cultural Marxist themes are all promoted by the same lie that they are done in the name of freedom. Liberalism, sexual perversion, degenerate art, degenerate music, mass immigration, anti-intelligence and the promotion of people acting like animals, corrupted versions of feminism, multiculturalism, oppressing people of European ancestry, and destroying nationalism and destroying non-Jewish religion. Cultural Marxism is largely a synthesis of Marx and Freud. It is Marxism as applied in the cultural sphere and the analysis and control of the media, art, theatre, film and other cultural institutions in society, often with an emphasis on class, gender and race. As a form of political analysis, Cultural Marxism gained strength in the 1920s and was the model used by a group of intellectuals in Germany known as the Frankfurt School and later by another group of intellectuals at the Center of Contemporary Cultural Studies in Birmingham, England. The fields of cultural studies and critical theory are rooted in and influenced by work of cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is formulated as a way to subvert European nations and civilization, using methods other than direct political action. Theodora Adorno was also an original member of the Frankfurt School. With the help of the American-Jewish committee, he wrote a book entitled The Authoritarian Personality. The book's purpose was to make every group affiliation sound as if it were a sign of mental disorder. Patriotism, religion, family, and race loyalty were signs of a dangerous and defective authoritarian personality. The school's critical theory preached that the authoritarian personality was a product of the patriarchal family. This was one of the basic principles of cultural Marxism the need to break down the family unit.
3: Frankfurt School, as base, developed the ideology that you had to sort of reject your family. By rejecting your family, you would then uh, be more likely to uh, accept, or you would be less likely to be anti Jewish. And so, you know, it's a remarkable thing because they never supposed that Jewish children should reject their parents who are going to promulgate Judaism to the next generation, you have to have children who identify with their parents. But in the authoritarian personality, identifying with your parents, who were Christian especially, was the epitome of pathology. This had to be eradicated. What you see with the, with the authoritarian personality is, holding out individualism, radical individualism as a cultural ideal. Now, of course, individualism has long roots in, in European society. But what you're talking about with radical individualism is giving up all your allegiances. You just become the isolated individual. This is not a prescription that Jews have ever adopted. I mean, if there's anything that is characteristic of Judaism, it's a strong sense of identification with a group. So essentially, this is a prescription for the behavior of of Gentiles that would... Uh, essentially make them less likely to have allegiances with other groups. Because from the standpoint of Jews, what is the the most terrifying thing is a a group of non-Jews united by an ideology where they have a strong sense of group membership and which Jews are viewed negatively. I mean, the paradigm of that would be, of course, National Socialism in Germany from 1933 to 1945. Fundamentally, what Nazism was about was having a strong sense of being a member of a nation, having a strong sense of that you're part of an in-group, and these other people uh, are not, you know, you're, you're not on their page, uh, Jews especially. And so uh, one way to get rid of that, basically, is to advocate individuals for everybody. Get rid of your allegiances. Don't have any really' in allegiance to religion, country, race, even family. And again, one of the, the points I keep making there is that this is c- completely hypocritical because to be a strongly identified Jew means that you are highly connected to a group, that you have a strong sense of group membership, that you think of out groups as potentially threatening, as enemies and so on. In other words, the psychological processes of, of group membership tend to make us view negatively the people in other groups and, and and that applies to Jews as well as anybody else. So strongly identified Jews tend to have strongly positive views of their in-group, strongly negative views of the outsiders and you know that's part of the culture of critique these Jewish intellectuals have very negative views about the culture and peoples of the uh, outside them. In the book Adorno
5: defined parenthood, pride in one's family, Christianity, adherence to traditional gender roles and attitudes towards sex and the love of one's own country as pathological phenomena. Cultural Marxists wanted to create conflict between the oppressed minority and the oppressing majority, between those who had alleged privilege and those without it. The working class had been replaced by minorities all allegiance to family, nation, and culture was seen as major obstacles and sources of anti-semitism. In order for them to get rid of all resistance to the Jewish interest, it would have to be crushed and eroded within every white person. Nationalism, racial realism, heterosexuality, sovereignty, homogeneity, traditionalism, loyalty, and the nuclear family were looked upon as major obstacles to the communist takeover of Western civilization. Thus. The culture Marxists came up with ways of gradually breaking up our culture from within. The Marxist idea of equality is not actually possible to achieve in reality. It is only about bringing down the ones who stand out, the successful, the hardworking achievers, to the same level as those who do nothing, fail and are lazy. This is how you make everyone quote-unquote equal. To undermine Western civilization, the Jewish extremists called for the most negative and destructive criticism possible of every sphere of the Gentiles' life. Their anti white policies they anticipated would later spread like a virus. Cultural Marxism has given us anti white policies such as racism offenses and hate speech laws, gender confusion, hookup culture, moral and gender racial relativization, homosexualization of children. Mass immigration, racial tensions, forced multiculturalism, the systematic promotion of sexual deviances in society, and an unreliable legal system with bias against the victim of the crimes, the breakdown of the nuclear family, and low birth rates. Notable philosophers from the Frankfurt School were Herbert Marcuse, Theodore Adorno, Max Horkheimer, Walter Benjamin, Eric Fromm, Friedrich Pollock, Leo Leventhal, Jürgen Habermas, Alfred Schmidt, Axel Honneth, Siegfried Kakaor, George Lukács. All of these intellectuals at the Frankfurt School were Jewish. The intellectuals were first to be targeted in all communist states. Free thinking is dangerous to the system. Social justice and feminism to name but a few are all anti-white, anti-free-speech movements inspired by and born out of critical theory and thus come under the umbrella of cultural Marxism. A popular manifestation of cultural Marxism is also political correctness, which the great English writer Theodore Dalrymple eloquently defines like this. In my study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or convince. Not to inform, but to humiliate, and therefore, the less it corresponded to reality, the better. When people are forced to remain silent when they are being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they are forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose, once and for all, their sense of probity. To send to obvious lies is, in some way, to become evil oneself. One standing to resist anything is thus eroded, and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. I think if you examine political correctness, it has the same effect and is intended to. Feminism was part of the Jewish group evolutionary strategy, which came out of the think tank known as the Frankfurt School. Its goal was to cause resentment, division, and weaken the relationships between men and women in the Gentile society to destroy the institute of marriage and the sanctity of the family. Women would be turned into working units. Feminism is the idea that women are free when they serve their employers, but slaves when they help their husbands. Through promoting abortion and radical feminism, the sexes would turn against each other and consequently lower their demography by preventing childbirth. Feminist propaganda would brainwash white women that marriage constitutes slavery for them and that freedom for women cannot be won without the abolition of marriage and traditional relationships.
3: Jewish uh, uh, intellectuals, Jewish activists have been very involved in, in, in feminism, for example. There has been a tendency to see the white male as someone Something that has to be sort of demoted in society, because there's no question that, say, in the year 1950, that white males ran the show in America. Feminism, you know, women were happy to stay at home and have children. Now, women are encouraged to go off and have careers, and they have very few children. You know, my view is uh, that it would be far better. Uh, I think a lot more women would be happier uh, being uh, you know, being wives and mothers than they would be uh, getting into the world of work where they had to be competitive. They have to sort of, pretty much, uh, put the family in the back burner.
5: Sexism was the epithet coined by the abortion-promoting feminist Jew, Margaret Feldman. This epithet would be used to attack any person who uphold the natural order and mutually complementary roles of these sexes in society. Feminism has absolutely nothing to do with protecting women. It is a cultural Marxist program to degrade and subjugate white men, and of course,
6: also, white women. Well, one of the things they told me was that um, he he was at the house one night, and uh, we were talking, and he started laughing. He said, Aaron, what do you think women's liberation was about? And uh, I said, I'm pretty conventional thinking about it at that point. I said, I think it's about women having the right to work, getting equal pay with men, just like they won the right to vote, you know? And he started to laugh. He said, you're an idiot. And I said, why am I an idiot? He said, let me tell you what that was about. We, the Rockefellers, funded that. We funded Women's Lib, you know? And we're the ones who got all over the newspapers and television, the Rockefeller Foundation. He says, and you want to know why? He says, there were two primary reasons. And they were, one reason was, we couldn't tax half the population before Women's Lib. And the second reason was, now we get the kids in school at an early age. We can indoctrinate the kids how to think. It breaks up their family. the family. The, the kids start looking at the state as the family, as the school, as the officials, as their family, not as the parents teaching them. And so those are the two primary, the primary reasons for women's love, which, which I thought up to that point was a noble thing. You know, When I saw their intentions behind it, where they were coming from when they created it, the thought of it, I saw, I saw the evil behind what I thought was a noble adventure.
5: The Jewish radical feminist Robin Morgan stated that, I feel that man-hating is an honorable and viable political act, that the oppressed have a right to class hatred against a class that is oppressing them. We can't destroy the inequities between men and women until we destroy marriage. Linda Gordon, Jewish feminist and historian, explains that the nuclear family must be destroyed. Whatever its ultimate meaning, the breakup of families now is an objectively revolutionary process. In order to do this, Jewish feminist, Andrea Dworkin, stated that they will have to destroy the structure of culture as we know it. Its art, its churches, its laws, its nuclear families, based on father right and nation states. She continues, I want to see a man, beaten to a bloody pulp with a high heel shoved in his mouth like an apple in the mouth of a pig. The Jewish feminist Susan Sontag says that the white race is the cancer of human history.
7: Fighting for gay marriage generally involves lying about what we're going to do with marriage when we get there. You know, because we lie that the institution of marriage is not going to change. And that is a lie the institution of marriage is going to change and it should change. Um, and again, I, I don't think it should exist.
5: The hyperinflation of Germany attracted the international community to Berlin and it was known as the moral cesspit of Europe where any and every deprived sexual activity could be had. The cultural Marxist Jews had introduced decadence and immorality into German culture, movies, art and theater.
8: That's why. My- People so Berlin is the Babylon of
5: the 20s.
7: Things that had been considered to be immoral, amoral, whatever, were were, became irrelevant, and anything went.
5: Prostitution was legalized in 1927. Mother and daughter teams offered their services to the same client simultaneously. There were no fewer than 17 different prostitute types in this brothel city.
0: There were clubs where lesbians liked to whip schoolboys and you'd find military officers sitting there with children sitting on their laps. So a lot of it was play acting but there were quite a lot of people who also indulged in it.
5: The first homosexual and transsexual propaganda theater plays were made in Berlin in the 1920s. The first adultery theater plays were made by Jewish authors that you hadn't noticed would turn into outrageous strip clubs. The basements of the restaurants would be homosexual or lesbian romper rooms and sex clubs. When you have unemployed, you also have an increase in sex workers. But it wasn't just Berliners. It was tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of young boys and young girls who were coming to Berlin to participate in this hard currency um, uh, sex traffic.
8: It was a city that was filled with lesbian life. There was the idea that everywhere
1: you went, you didn't have to hide what you were.
5: Pedophilia was normalized. Underage girls managed to make a lucrative living in Berlin as prostitutes. Little girls were freely available and could be ordered by telephone and deliver like take-away meals to clients. Every
8: intellectual was leftish. The whole political right wing, which basically came from Munich, did not play any role in the beginning. The whole town was in the hands of leftish ideas.
5: Dr. Manfred Reifer, a well-known leader of the Jews of Bukovina, said Whilst large sections of the German nation were struggling for the preservation of their race, we Jews filled the streets of Germany with our vociferations. We supplied the press with articles on the subjects of its Christmas and Easter and administered to its religious beliefs in the manner we consider suitable. We ridicule the highest ideals of the German nation and profane the matters which it holds sacred. Jewish-owned publishing houses like Benjamin Harz Leon Hirsch and Jacob and Company were distributing books that openly undermined Western traditional values. Jews also pushed an intensive campaign for free abortion as Dr. Max Hodden, Dr. Lothar Wolff, Martha Rubin Wolff, Alfons Goldschmidt wrote numerous articles encouraging abortion and birth control for the Germans to lower their birth rates even further. Leading the film and theater businesses were Jews such as Joseph von Sternberg, Bertolt Brecht, Erich Pommer, and a host of other Jews. Research into sexuality was led by Jewish sexologists Ivan Bloch and Magnus Hirschfeld. The transgender community encouraged primitive sex operations because men and women no longer felt comfortable in their natural roles. With prostitution, drugs, pedophilia, homosexuality, adultery, sadism, masochism, decadent art and even bestiality rampant, Germany was an unsafe place for the traditional German family. The conservative Germans looked at Berlin with disdain, destroying what was left of the national spirit. Criminal gangs lived from prostitution, drug trafficking, illegal gambling, pornography, robbery and burglary. The police were underpaid corrupt, and felt totally powerless because of the constitutional limitations of police authority. Maurice Samuel was a Romanian-born Jewish and Zionist novelist, translator, and lecturer. In 1924 he stated explicitly in his own book, You Gentiles, that we Jews, we are the destroyers, and will remain the destroyers forever. Nothing that you will do will meet our needs and demands. We will forever destroy because we want a world of our own. The Jew Dr. Kurt Münzer wrote in his novel Der Weg nach Zion, The Way to Zion. We have corrupted the blood of all the races of Europe. Perhaps we have infected them. Today, everything is unified. Our thinking is in everything living. Our spirit rules the world. We are the masters, for everything that has power today is the child of our spirit. One may hate us, one may drive us away, our enemies may triumph over our physical weakness, but we are no longer to be gotten rid of. We have devoured the peoples, conquered the races, defiled them, broken their strength, made everything rotten, lazy, and corrupt with our stale culture. Our spirit can no longer be exterminated. Rabbi Harry Watten said, The communist soul is the soul of Judaism. When we look deeper into the nature of communism, we see that it's essentially nothing else than Judaism. Since the Jews are the highest and most cultural people on earth, the Jews have a right to subordinate to themselves the rest of mankind and to be the masters over the whole world. The Jews will become the masters over the whole earth, and they will subordinate to themselves all nations. Judaism is communism, internationalism, the universal brotherhood of man, the emancipation of the working class, and the human society. It is with these spiritual weapons that the Jews will conquer the world and the human race. The Aryans will be destroyed, and Marxism will triumph. The honest Weimar Jewish poet, Stefan Zweig now feared a backlash against Jewry, saying it's disgusting how Jews are taking everything by storm, should it not be our responsibility to anticipate the justified anti-semitic indignation and call our people back to their senses. A man who resented this degeneration of Germany, possibly more than anyone else in the world, was Adolf Hitler. Born on April 20th, 1889, into a working class family, he was raised learning everything in life the hard way. Hitler lived as a homeless drifter for most of his life in the city of Vienna, after being rejected by the art college. While he apparently wasn't good enough to earn a position at the academy, he quickly discovered that many Jewish artists were. Some of these Jewish artists also migrated to Berlin, producing pornography and erotica for a living. Hitler volunteered to fight for Austria in 1914. By that time, both of his parents had passed away. He then begged Bavarian authorities to let him fight for Germany, He fought with great bravery, instinct and distinction and was promoted to Lance Corporal. He received the Military Cross, Iron Cross Second Class, Iron Cross First Class and six medals for bravery. He was wounded twice. In October of 1916 he was badly wounded and abided two months in a military hospital. He could have stayed home but instead chose to return to the front lines. In October 1918 he was temporarily blinded by a British poison gas attack. Hitler heard about the capitulation of Germany while recovering his eyesight at the hospital. He was confused and outraged after hearing the news and thought that the sacrifice and suffering of the German soldiers had been for nothing. The artist from Vienna wanted answers, and he would not rest until the enemies had been exposed and Germany's honor restored again. When Adolf Hitler joined the German Workers' Party, DAP, in 1919, he became the 7th member of the Nationalist Group. Hitler then decided that the time was right to seize power of the local government in Munich. Patriotic war veterans would join him in the revolt and move against the national government in Berlin. Hitler then used a rally in Munich Beer Hall to launch a coup, an enthusiastic crowd turned out to support him. The local uprising or pooch was ignited by a moving speech by Hitler, but it was interfered by communist troops who opened fire on the nationalists, killing 16 of them. Hitler and the others were arrested and tried for treason. At his trial, Hitler used his opportunity to spread his political and philosophical ideas, which apparently were so inspiring that they afterwards even published them in some newspapers. The judge was incredibly impressed and issued a lenient sentence for Hitler and the nationalist rebels. The Munich coup failed, but the legend of the great speaker grew. And by every day that went by, he fascinated and attracted new followers. He quickly generated a large support base. During his imprisonment of 1924, he wrote the Bible of National Socialism. Mein Kampf, my struggle. His close associate, Rudolf Hess, imprisoned with Hitler, typed out the dictation for the book, which was published in 1925. Mein Kampf was part political manifesto and part autobiography, containing discussions of history, philosophy and economics. In the book, Hitler explained the global conspiracy for world government and that it was directed by international Jewish bankers. He also wrote about the German loss of First World War, the Jewish Bolshevik Revolution, the Versailles Treaty and the resulting hyperinflation that devastated Germany. He accused the elite Marxist Jews of Germany of controlling newspapers and banking, fomenting wars, and corrupting the art, culture, and morality of Europe. Mein Kampf quickly grew in popularity, which made Hitler a wealthy man. Hitler was not the only man who warned about the international Jewry. In 1922, Henry Ford, the American industrialist founder of the Ford Motor Company, published a four-volume set of booklets called The International Jew, where he exposed the plans and operations of an organized Jewish globalist elite. Ford's research revealed a hidden influence over the American politics, the Fed, the press, crime and entertainment. German nationalists would later study and hand out translated copies of Ford's work. Adolf Hitler himself had a copy in his office, along with a photo of Ford. Ford himself referred to the problem of the rising influence of Jewish supremacism as the world's foremost problem. In 1931, Hitler said that he regarded Ford as an inspiration. To draw people away from both right-nationalist and left-socialist parties, Hitler merely added National and Socialist to the party's name, making it NSDAP, taking Socialism without Internationalism and Nationalism without Capitalism. Hitler said to the people that Germany's most precious possession was their own people, and that they all had to unite to save their own nation. The most obvious difference between National Socialism and Communism was that National Socialism supported the concept of private property and a market economy, while Communism abolished all private property and the government controlled the economy through central planning. Under Communism, all private property were seized by the state. Under National Socialism, the private right of citizens were respected and protected, while under Communism there were no private rights. National Socialism was shortly a radical movement in defense of Western civilization while communism was revolutionary movement dedicated to its destruction. But Hitler also clarified in 1938 that socialism in National Socialism did not equal Marxist International Socialism. He said, Socialists I define from the word social meaning in the main social equity. A socialist is one who serves the common good without giving up his individuality or personality or the product of his personal efficiency. Our adopted term socialists has nothing to do with Martian socialism. Marxism is anti-property, true socialism is not. Marxism places no value on the individual or individual effort or efficiency. True socialism values the individual and encourages him in individual efficiency, at the same time holding that his interests as an individual must be in consonance with those of the community. All great inventions, discoveries, achievements, were first a product of an individual brain. It is charged against me that I am against property, and that I am an atheist. Both charges are false.
1: Speaking of humor, I'm going to hear Hitler tomorrow, trying to come. Hitler. The anti-Semite. The National Socialist Anti-Semite. Call them Nazis just to piss them off. I hear his first.
5: The National Socialists did not call themselves Nazis. The term Nazi, along with Nazism, is a political epithet invented in the nineteen twenties by Conrad Hayden as propaganda against the NSDAP and National Socialism. Conrad Hayden was a Jewish journalist and a member of the competing party Social Democratic Party. The term was a variant of the nickname for members of the Social Democratic Party, which at that time used to be called Susi, abbreviation of Socialisten. Nazi was a political pun based upon the Austro-Bavarian slang word for Simpleton or Country bumpkin, and derived from the fairly common name Ignaz. It would be like saying Nazi, hence There were no Nazis, they were National Socialists. Hitler also designed the NSDAP flag. The swastika is an ancient symbol which means to be good, good luck, and represented light, consciousness and well-being. The German people were seriously embittered and depressed by the state of affairs in the Weimar Republic, and they looked for an explanation and solution to their situation. National Socialism was their only hope for savior. With decadence and all the undermining of family values so ingrained in Germany, the country had become an unsafe and unfit place for any German family. By means of a democratic election, Hitler took over the leadership of Germany on January 30th, 1933. Hitler is often called a dictator, but in fact, he is the only wartime leader that could prove that he was democratically elected. Hitler said, Allow me four years, and I swear to you, as truly as I have now undertaken my duties, I will depart. It is not for any reward or benefit that I have taken office, but only for your sake. It has been the greatest decision of my whole life. Hitler came into true authoritative power in March 1933. He took over a poverty-stricken, sick and hopelessly bankrupt state, with over six million Germans unemployed. All German gold reserves have been stolen by the victors of World War I as crushing reparation payments. When Hitler kicked out the destructive international banking cabal, he became the only leader in history to arrest a Rothschild. He later restricted Jewish ownership of radio and newspapers. The Frankfurt School was closed down and its members fled to the United States and migrated to major Jewish universities. Hitler did not want to fall back into the slavery of the international Jewish bankers. He therefore immediately outlawed the debt-based system, i.e. usury, by punishment of death and created a new Deutschmark that was backed only by productive German physical and intellectual labor. After having deleted the parasitical bankers from the equation, the German economic miracle took off almost immediately. Instead of borrowing from the banks at interest, the government instead created a new monetary system for the Germans called the Labour Treasury Note. Millions of Germans were put to work and the workers were paid with the Treasury certificates. The government issued money was not backed by gold, but it was backed by something of real value, it was essentially receipt for labor and materials delivered to the government hitler said for every mark that was issued we required the equivalent of mark's worth of work done or goods produced the workers then spent the certificates on other goods and services creating more jobs for more people hitler managed to end the reparation payments from the versailles treaty he rebuilt germany into something better than ever and the nation quickly rose from the ashes and healed its deep wounds. The unemployment problem was solved, and the country was back on its feet. It had a solid stable currency, no debt and no inflation. Unemployment went from 50% down to less than 2% in a few short years. After 5 years, Hitler had given 6 million Germans work, and full employment was reached. Crime was almost non-existent, unemployment was a thing of the past and there were no homeless and no beggars. In Billions for the Bankers debts for the People, 1984, Sheldon Emery stated Germany issued debt-free and interest-free money from 1935 and on accounting for its startling rise from the depression to a world power in five years. Germany financed its entire government and war operations from 1935 to 1945 without gold and without debt And it took the whole capitalist and communist world to destroy the German power over Europe and bring Europe back under the heel of the bankers. Such history of money does not even appear in the textbooks of public schools today. The main priority for Hitler was bringing back pride and belief in the German people again. In a symbolic act of national and spiritual rebirth, university students organized the one-time book burning of degenerate marxist literature and books from the institute of sex research in berlin on may 10, 1933 many of the national socialist leaders were artists who looked at what needed to be improved in the world as a result art and entertainment now reflected the true values of the german people again and there was a remarkable emphasis on culture As a talented painter, Hitler was well aware of the Jewish-Marxist influence behind the degradation of German art and culture. Thus, he invented the Day of German Art, Tag der Deutschen Kunst, which was a parade held in Munich, displaying an appreciation for art and culture. Theaters flourished. The German movie industry produced about 100 feature films per year between 1933 and 1945. Some of the best classical recordings still existing were made in Hitler's Germany. Actors from all over Europe, primarily from France, Sweden and Italy, were stars in German movies. Hitler transformed his country from an economically ruined land on the brink of breakdown, civil war and total collapse into the world's most advanced and prosperous country.
7: Everybody was in a very bad economic situation, there was unemployment, there was hunger and um, inflation and then Hitler came and offered that he would make Germany as a great nation again and he would give back our lost self-confidence and I myself I was educated that my home country was something I have to serve to and I was Vaterlands Liebe and I was uh, very proud of my country actually I was infected actually by the singing and the crying and shouting to to greet him and I felt it was something very touching and after he Came to power, he started immediately to put in practice what he promised, and he gave housing to the workers and employment to the unemployed, and um, there was food and everything was in order again.
5: It was a cultural and economic rebirth without parallel in the whole human history which inspired the rest of the world to do the same. Hitler's radical program restored German economic independence, ensured racial security for the people and diverted the nation's wealth from banking cartels to the ordinary people. Meanwhile the rest of the world still ruled under the Rothschild Cabal was still in recession. Hitler also relaxed the strict gun control laws of the previous government, allowing the people to defend themselves again. False claims are constantly made that Hitler could take power because he disarmed the German people. But this is nonsense. It was the Weimar government that already had disarmed the German people before. Gun clubs now open all over the Reich. A man who lived in Hitler's Germany was Hans Schmidt. He said, To be a boy or girl at that time was wonderful. In the Hitler's youth, the differences between Christian denominations or the different German states did not count. We all truly felt that we were members of one body of people, one nation. Youth hostels were opened all over the Reich, enable us to hike from one beautiful town to another, seeing our fatherland. Every effort was made to strengthen our minds and bodies. Contrary to what is said today, we were encouraged to become free in spirit and not succumb to peer or authority pressure. 1st of May 1933 was made into a holiday for the workers. Hitler implemented the Strength through Joy program, which was a generous social program that enabled the common man to have affordable leisure activities such as concerts, plays, libraries, day trips and cruises to other countries. For the first time in the world, millions of workers and their children could access a foreign vacation almost for free. The first vacation crews were built for the German workers. The favorite destinations were the Portuguese island of Madeira, as well as the Spanish island and port cities. The National Socialist Program is a manual for national recovery. Its lesson can be applied to any nation today. Drawing on the program, Germany in less than 36 months enjoyed full employment and the world's highest standard of living. Hitler's way was called the Volks economic. To alleviate the greatest need of the German people, winter system work was also immediately called into being. No one shall starve or freeze, sounded the motto. this
4: must be the
7: of new winter. This work is more than an Reich
8: Armen, wollen wir sagen, deutsches Volk hilft dir selbst.
4: Jeder soll helfen, ob Arm oder Nein. Jeder soll sich denken, es gibt noch keinen, der ärmer ist als dich und you helfen als
5: Donations were sent to the poorest in Germany's cities and mountain regions. It was a first-rate social action that had great success. The poor people of these regions then created small items such as wood carvings, glassware, etc. as token for the donations received. This earned them work and bread, and the action spurred the whole nation and the German folk to stand united. In order to provide work and bread to the millions of unemployed, the construction of Autobahn began. Using only German material, the new road system was made so that it did not destroy either the German landscape or wildlife habitats nor forests. The price per automobile was between 1,350 and 1,600 Reichsmarks. But Hitler thought the prices were too high for the common family. Thus, Hitler, together with Ferdinand Porsche, dreamt up and designed the people's car, the Volkswagen. This would be the most built and most economical car in the world. At that time, it cost 995 Reichsmarts. We could be paid off in minor payments. Volkswagen was a word that Hitler himself personally chose. Germany was a Christian nation of which more than 46 million belonged to the German Evangelical Protestant Church, and 30 million to the Roman Catholic faith. About 2,500 new churches were built in Germany. Hitler himself believed in positive Christianity, and he regularly visited the church.
7: what was he like as a man? The secretaries, at least, found him a very friendly, charming, polite, and patient chief. He has even a sense of humor, and we never experienced any loud words or something unfriendly. And to me, as I was the youngest, he had actually more or less a fatherly behavior. I actually I liked him and I felt well in his company and I enjoyed talking to him and listen to his more or less monologues.
8: Tatsächlich, he Er schaut mich so an. Und das war einer der selbstersten Momente meines Lebens. Ich habe das Gefühl gehabt, er sucht irgendwie. Der Blick, der zunächst ganz auf mich gerichtet war, ging auf einmal durch mich hindurch in eine unbekannte Ferne. Das ist so sonderbar gewesen. Und der, dieses, der lange Blick, den er mir geschenkt hat, hat mich vollkommen überzeugt, dass er ein Mann mit ehrlichen Absichten war. Ich kann nur eins sagen, ich bin glücklich, dass mir Hitler in seiner, von seiner schönsten Seite begegnet ist. Es hat sicher auch dunkle Seiten gegeben, Aber ich habe ihn von seiner wunderbaren Seite erlebt. Und das ist etwas, was mir A
9: lot of people, of course, have seen History Channel documentaries and scare pieces on the mass media that give a distorted view of what National Socialism actually is. First of all, National Socialism is an ideology about life. It's about the cultivation of life, of building strong families, of building families that are able to raise good children, children that are moral, children that are healthy, and children that are on a path of virtue to be able to build a better and brighter future for the nation. It's about cooperation, specifically class cooperation, gender cooperation, and cooperation throughout all members of society. National socialism views the nation like a body, and a body takes all different parts. The liver is not more important than the brain or the heart or the arm or the leg everything works in tandem with one another to be able to be life we as national socialists support every single member of our community as being part of an extended family the working class has a responsibility and a duty to be able to work hard but they also have a right to economic justice to having their voices be heard within society and bosses have a right to be able to make profits within their corporations and companies But they also need to ensure that they're putting the best interests of the worker, families, and the nation first. We believe in taking from the right, nationalism without capitalism, and from the left, socialism without internationalism. At the end of the day, National Socialism and its economic theory is about putting the nation first, because the nation is your family. National Socialism is also about rejecting capitalism and communism. Capitalism and communism are two ideologies that take the human being and make him a cog within a greater machine. Communism wages a war of the poor against the rich, and capitalism is a war of the rich against the poor. Both of these are Jewish ideologies, and ideologies that poison the national community. They tear apart the working class, they tear apart families, and they turn the nation into one giant fire sale. To be able to say that whoever has the most money or the most power is able to loot and pillage it. National Socialism says that the national community has to work together, that we need to ensure that everyone has rights and duties and responsibilities to one another, and this in turn creates a healthier society. National Socialism believes in the cultivation of virtue. We reject the degeneracy that we see in the modern West, the pornography that we see on our television screens, the radical individualism within our society, and instead say we want to be able to cultivate and activate within ourselves natural beauty, We want to be able to build beautiful art, we want to be able to build beautiful cities and beautiful communities. This is about the cultivation of what is good, and everything about capitalism and communism and the Jewish power structure is about destroying what is good. We see this in the modern west, whether it's the importation of foreign peoples, foreign ideologies, radical feminism, abortion, and a culture that supports death instead of life. This is an ideology of death a death cult that is destroying the Western peoples in the Western world. We as national socialists support an ideology of life, of rebirth and rebuilding ourselves and our nations. We're an ideology that believes in peace throughout the entire world. General Leon de Grelle said that national socialism and racialism is about lifting your own people up. And we want the same for every single group of people. We want every single ethnicity and ethnic community around the world to be able to be stronger, to be able to chart their own destiny. And be able to work together against the international jew work against the international capitalists and work against a system that breaks apart nations and families finally national socialism is an ideology that isn't an ideology it follows natural law these are principles that are within all of us we as national socialists whether we are christians or pagans or simply agnostics understand that there is a greater power and there's greater principles that drive us in this world As an extended family and a national community, we're not at war with one another over differences on religion, differences in subculture, or differences in class. We understand that working together as a team is what will make our nation strong. National socialism is building a better and brighter future. So you might hear a lot of lies in the media, but what the truth is, is we are the only ideology that can defeat the international Jew and the international capitalists, not just in our nation, but in all nations. To bring about an earth where we take care of the environment, we take care of animals, we take care of the water we drink and the air we breathe, and we take care of our blood and our culture. National socialism makes you a steward. You have responsibilities and duties. It is not an ideology for the weak. It is an ideology for those that love their faith, their family, and their folk.
5: The term democracy means something it did not mean 100 years or even 50 years ago. In fact, the National Socialists strived to revive and restore the term democracy to its original and rightful meaning. The National Socialist form of democracy was based on the principle of community of the people. The National Socialist electoral system was not based on the parliamentary system but was nonetheless democratic. The national system of government was largely based on referenda, in which the really important issues of the day were debated and voted upon by the German people. Thus, the National Socialist form of democracy was more pure and more representative than that of today. Each and every child in Hitler's Germany was considered a sacred blessing from above and a reason to celebrate. When motherhood was a cherished and noble act again, the cross of honor of the German mother was awarded to mothers who had many children. <laughs>
8: einen weiblichen Juristen von mir habe, und der kann noch so viel leisten, und nebenan eine Mutter mit fünf, sechs, sieben Kindern, und die sind ganz gesund und sie von ihr gut erzogen, dann möchte ich sagen, vom ewigen Standpunkt des ewigen Wertes unseres Volkes aus, hat die Frau, die Kinder bekommen kann, und die sie nun bekommen hat, und die sie nun erzogen hat, Und die Volk damit das Leben in die Zukunft geschenkt hat wieder, hat
4: mehr geleistet.
8: Sie hat mehr
7: getan. Sie hilft mit,
4: den Tod unseres Volkes zu vermeiden.
5: In 1933 Hitler passed a law that enabled married couples to obtain interest-free loans minimum 1000 Reichsmark equals to 9 months salary to set up homes and start families. For each child birth, the couple was allowed to keep 250 marks and did not have to repay it. Newly married couples with children received these generous loans repayable in 10 years, so they could buy a house or apartment. The birth of the first child would cancel a quarter of the loan. Four children would cancel the entire debt. Over a 10-year period, a family with four children would earn more than the amount of the loan. In the eyes of the National Socialists, women were viewed as the preservers of the tribe, the guardians of future generations. Everywhere in Germany, houses and apartments were built for their workers. Villages of small single-family homes were set up. The monthly payments were set so low that practically everyone could afford his own house. All houses were naturally constructed according to the highest standards of public health. Before the end of 1933, Hitler succeeded in building 200,000 buildings in accordance with his building program. Within four years, nearly 1.5 million were built for the German people. The monthly rent for a worker was only about an eighth of his monthly earnings. The farmers' economic situation was also drastically improved. In 1933 alone, 17,611 houses were built for farmers. Within three years, 91,000 such houses were built. The National Socialists were the first to actively campaign against smoking and personally funded the Institute for the Struggle Against Tobacco. Germany became the first in the world to ban smoking on public transit. In 1937, his government enacted the first law which prohibited the sale of alcohol to minors and enacted stiff penalties for drunken driving. They also introduced the first blood test for automobile drivers suspected of driving drunk. Adolf Hitler was the first person to create a law against the mistreatment of animals, recognizing it to be evil. A law imposing a total ban on animal experiments was enacted. The National Socialists declare an end to the unbearable torture and suffering in animal experiments. Goering announced in a radio broadcast, an absolute and permanent ban on vivisection is not only a necessary law to protect animals and show sympathy with their pain, but is also a law for humanity itself. The inhuman ritual slaughter of animals as kosher and halal was totally banned. The Reich Animal Protection Act was enacted. Germany even hosted an international conference on animal protection in Berlin. Education on animal protection laws were introduced at primary, secondary and college levels. Animal protection was accepted as a subject to be taught in public schools and universities in Germany. With all of these fantastic achievements, German self-confidence, national pride and happiness skyrocketed. Germany were now free and independent, without having to be in debt to the bankers anymore. Hitler became a living legend to his people as his policies put Germany back on its feet and it was even named the Man of the Year in 1938. Ex-Prime Minister David Lloyd George said, It is not the Germany of the decade that followed the war-broken, dejected and bowed down with a sense of apprehension and impotence. It is now full of hope and confidence. One man has accomplished this miracle. The old trust him, the young idolize him. It is not the admiration accorded to a popular leader. It is the worship of a national hero who have saved his country from utter despotence and degradation. I have never met a happier people.
2: So what we know about Adolf Hitler is like what we know about history. The victors, of course, write the history, don't they? They write the history and they tell us a narrative And we're supposed to swallow that bullshit as if it's true. The major crime of Adolf Hitler was that he got out. He got Germany out of a banking debt that was drowning the German people. Drowning the German people in a cesspool of moral decay, drowning in debt. And he had the nerve to actually say fuck off to the bankers and start printing their own money. And Germany went from a destitute post-World War country that was drowning. Germans starving, no jobs, nothing. And he got them out of that debt and literally brought that nation back to a powerhouse within several years just by using their own money supply. That's the real crime that Adolf Hitler committed. Now I could sit here and talk and really excite the senses a little bit more about everything we've been taught about World War II and the Holocaust, but let us suffice to say that it fits in line with virtually everything we've been told about history in general. Bullshit. Bullshit. And John F. Kennedy had the courage and the balls and integrity to bypass the Federal Reserve Bank, to bypass his financial system, and he was dead within six months. And there ain't no coincidence there. Definitely not. We only need to do one thing to turn it all around. One thing. Let's confront that financial system. Let us print our own money.
3: You see the faces of, of them Germans coming out in the droves to greet Adolf Hitler, genuine smiles on their face. is something you can't act, you can't hide, you know, it's, it's there for all to see. Because there is no denying it, there's, there's, a, there's an awesome love for this guy. And, and, and there would be, who, who, who wouldn't love a guy who, who, who took you out of poverty and put you into a place now where you, your, your family's secure, you know you've got bed on your table, Your wages are solid and everything's fine. You would adore this guy. No, these are not actions of an evil man. This, this, this this is a man who, who loves his country and loves the people in his country.